We're here with Vern Harnish uh, in Florida. He's the founder of the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, as some of you know, 14,000 members. He's the author of the best-selling Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, translated into, I think, now nine languages. More than 48,000 firms around the country have used his concepts and tools to grow their companies, some to a billion dollars. At MIT, for 15 years, he chaired EO's CEO program called The Birthing of Giants. He's a columnist for Fortune Magazine. Vern, thanks for spending time. You bet. And, you know, we've got the new book out now. So Scaling Up, which is Rockefeller Habits 2.0, that's what I'm actually going to be talking about at Convene. We just signed our 15th language, Bulgarian. Wow. So it's, it's doing really well, and it's the book that seems to be powering uh, all of our ideas. That's exciting. Well, we've used your material extensively at Convene in the last year and people are super excited about it. Um, we thought, funny thing, we thought we could just do this in a one uh, day content piece, which is usually a couple hours. You know, our Convene groups meet, as you're aware, every month for a day and a couple of hours of that day is dedicated to learning. And uh, we thought, okay, we'll just do the scaling up piece in, in one of those learning sessions. And it was so good. It's now four sessions over four months and people are loving it. Yeah, good. Well, very honored. It's a, it is absolutely a labor of love. Yeah, that's great. So way back when you created this book idea, The Rockefeller Habits, what was the genesis of that? What was going on in your life and how did this come to be? Yeah, when, so I launched YEO uh, back in 1987, and the threshold was companies that got to at least a million a year in revenue. And that's just 4% of the companies in the United States. That's a much lower percentage around the rest of the world. And as part of launching that organization, I partnered with MIT Inc. Magazine to launch an executive program. And as you know, there's information about how to start up in almost every street corner now today. 11,000 startups every hour in wow. the world. We're not, we're not hurting for new companies. Uh, it's the scale-ups that are really the unsung heroes of economies. They drive all the job growth as they have in the U.S. since the Great Recession began. They drive almost all the innovation, yet nobody knows about them. And more importantly, there wasn't any curriculum for them. So a lot about startups. I have an MBA, which is supposed to teach how to run a big company, but there wasn't anything in between. So launch this program at MIT for 91-92 taught in it for 15 years. It was in the process of moving about a thousand of these mid-market leaders scaling up that we designed the curriculum and that became the first book, Mastering the Rockefeller. So it was the curriculum for that executive program. Wow. Well, when you get into the stuff, the, the, the incredible material that you put together, you talk about why some companies make it and why some don't. So Speak to the person out there who's kind of spinning their wheels, things are the same, they're not growing, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, so we bucketed in, I wish business was this neat uh, and organized, but we really bucketed into four areas, and it's around people, strategy, execution, or cash. And it's, it's, it's an issue or a constraint, if you would, and any one of those, if not all four, that tended to be at the heart of why somebody didn't scale up. And then there were three barriers. And so the early chapter in the book that built on the first book, Mastering Your Rockefeller Habits, outlined these three. And it starts with between our ears. You know, it's a mindset. It's our own constraints that we're dealing with um, in our life as well as then in our business. Number two, it was trying to just put together scalable infrastructure. 
as you know it, just move into a second floor of a building, figuring out the computer systems and all that's necessary if you're gonna go from five to 50 to 500 employees. And then number three, it was something very specific, Greg. And it came out of some early research that my senior faculty member at MIT, Dr. Ed, the famous Dr. Ed Roberts, yeah. he had studied these high-tech startups that came out of MIT, and he wanted to see why did some scale and others didn't. And one of those was very, very specific. It was a functional weakness, and that was around marketing. Marketing makes or breaks you. You need it not just to attract customers, but talent, attention, investors. And so the three barriers, leadership development, scalable infrastructure, and number three, effective marketing. Uh So scaling up focuses on four major decision areas every company must get right. And there's some systems out there right now that we won't name that uh, don't talk a lot about people, but you're uh, focused on people, strategy, execution, and cash. And so maybe talk about those four areas. Why do they all matter? And why do some systems seem to treat uh, people like a human resource or like a uh, producer of results? Uh, you know, Mark, I think it was Henry Ford who said, how come I only uh, want to hire two arms and two legs and I get the whole person? But sure. the Bible is very clear that people matter. Jesus at the end of his life said in John 17, he said to God, Hey, tomorrow it's not, it's going to end. You gave me these 12 men and I showed them you and I'm giving them back to you. In other words, Jesus was saying people that I've invested in matter. Mm -hmm. They're not a unit of output, right? So talk about people, strategy, execution, and cash. Well, a couple of things. One, we actually rooted in some research that was based on what the work that Jim Collins did in Good to Great. And he said, look, if you want to go from good to three times good, you've got to have disciplined people engaged in disciplined thought through disciplined action, which was people, strategy, execution. And then, because we're dealing with growth and the first law of entrepreneurial gravity, growth sucks cash, we added the cash component, which he then talked about later on in his last book, Great by Choice. And he was adamant, as we discovered, that it, it starts with people. You know, it's interesting stat. 76% of all companies in the U.S. only have the entrepreneur as the sole employee. And we like to kid, many of those are overstaffed. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That's good. Uh, and, and so the only way you can scale is through people, as you would any movement. Uh, and it starts with getting the, that first handful of disciples. We talk about how there's kind of a natural point about eight to 12. Uh, then you've got to get on up to 40 and then you got to get on up to 350. And, and we are very adamant. It's time to get rid of the term HR. Ooh, so yes. It's the head of, we really like people experience and customer experience or PX and CX. And we really push that hard with all of our clients that that's a term that was, for all the reasons you said, so last century, that at a minimum, let's just start with a different term this century. Bill Pollard, uh, the, the chairman of Service Master, Bill Pollard, who I had the privilege of working with for a long time, used to, he has a chapter in one of his books where he says, uh, it's basically, it's not just another pair of hands. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. Well, we're, we've moved from the, from backs to brains. You know, that was really the industrial revolution of the information age that we're in now. And we're doing brain work. It's why it's, 
it's Greg, it's impacting everywhere, particularly organizational structure. I think what's interesting is form and function. Nature informs us beautifully, you know, God's creation. And last century, last few centuries, it was about organizing muscle. You know, we had to organize our might, if you would, to go to war. And and even the the church brought us this hierarchical structure that, by the way, mirrors the human body. You know, you've got the head, the arm, you know, the shoulders, the arms, the feet, you know, his fingers and toes. And it's a beautiful system for organizing muscle. We can do the finest of motor skills, beautiful art, and we can build the most monstrous thing. I'm still amazed as a mechanical engineer what it is that we're able to create is these little small beings. But now that we've moved from back to brain work, our organizational structures haven't followed. And so one of the big revolutions, uh, we may talk about it or not, and we don't have a lot of time here at Convene, but maybe afterwards with the groups, is the revolutions that are occurring in organizational structure. If we're doing brain work, we need to organize like our brain is, not like our skeletal or back system. So that's one of some of the new stuff that we're, we're pushing. That's good. I love it. So uh, you also talk about this is not just about growth. It's about creating a company where the team is engaged, where the customers are doing your marketing and everybody's making money. That sounds like a kind of a trifecta. Talk about that a little bit. Well, and a good resource is Ogilvy, the big ad agency has put out what they call the four P's instead of the, I mean, the four E's instead of the four P's of marketing. So we've always known about product, price, place, and promotion as the four key decisions you need to make around marketing. And reality is marketing strategy equals strategy. And we love this update around the four E's. It brings it to the 21st century. So one of those is most of us can't afford to do massive promotion. It needs to really be through evangelism. And that is that fourth uh, E. And even Apple had an evangel program. One of my dear friends, Scott Mize, was one of the early evangelists. And that's what you need in the marketplace, is you need your customers and your employees so evangelistic about what it is you do. They do the heavy lifting of your message out into the marketplace. Sweet, sweet. Well, I'm very excited that you're coming to spend some time with us. Very gracious of you to come spend some time with us in San Diego. Not that it's tough duty at the Hotel Del Coronado, but uh, September 29 to October 3rd, about 700 Christian business executives and spouses will be there. And you're going to come and share some thoughts. How about uh, a little kind of sneak peek of what you enjoy talking about at times like that, digging into the tools and the tricks and the tips you're going to give us. Give somebody a reason to get on the plane and show up at the Hotel Del Coronado. Good. Well, there'll be four ideas that we're going to share. One around people, strategy, execution, and cash. So around people, look, I, I love this idea that we have the answers. It's the question we do not know. And it's more important that you get the question right than even the answer. And so I'm going to share uh, what I consider the number one question around the people space that, by the way, Bill Gates considered the best question that he had ever been asked. And it's a, it's a question that they can use in almost every aspect of not only their business, but in their life. Under strategy, we're going to look at the power of brand. And brand really ultimately comes down to a word or two. And I'm going to describe 
how you look at that, how you figure it out, because if you can own that word or two, as by the way, Tom Monahan did, uh, you know, if you say deliver pizza, and I've tried it on all six continents, everyone says immediately Domino's. And owning that, plus a couple other ideas that we're going to talk about, allowed him to generate over $4 billion, which you know he's given almost all to the, the Catholic Church. And so we're going to talk about what is the essence of a brand. And by the way, what is it that brand gives you? Pricing power. And so we're going to dig into that whole pricing conversation. Uh. Under execution, here's the challenge. I've got a thousand things that I'm faced to do on a regular daily basis. How do I choose which one of that thousand I need to most focus on next? And how do I help everyone in my organization focus on the right thing? So we're going to talk about some tools and techniques for how to do that. Little side note, and it's something I just want to share. I ran across this analogy recently. You know, if you had a playground for children and it was bordered by a bunch of very busy streets, without fences, without boundaries, where would you want the children to huddle? And it would be right in the center. And you wouldn't want them to venture off. You wouldn't want the flock to venture off very far. But if you put up fences, what's interesting are boundaries. Then they're free, actually, to go right up to the very edge without a lot of concern. And that's the kind of freedom that we really want, engagement we want to see among our people and ourselves within our lives. Mm. And so it's interesting, whether it's the, you know, the, the commandments, these provide very important boundaries and fences that actually give you more freedom, not less freedom. Mm-hmm. And when business owners see that equivalent within their own organization around values and brand promise, then it really helps everybody else in the organization make better decisions. So mm-hmm. we'll dig into that in the execution. And then on the cash side, I'm going to share with you a universal truth about what it takes in order to really scale wealth considerably and is very biblical in nature. And it really comes from an experience I had myself when I had gone from a half million to a million to two million to four million. I'm getting ready to do about eight million. I'm going to be Greg an Inc. 500 company and boom, 9-11 hit. And our church was getting ready to do the largest fundraising campaign we'd ever done in our history. And I'm broke, but I had read the importance of, of really giving till it was painful. And I committed to an amount to the church that was greater than magnitudes, greater than anything I'd ever expected to pledge. And it was, it's crazy. I'll tell the rest of the story uh, in San Diego, but it's crazy how it worked out. That's great. Yeah. And so we're going to look at that powerful question. Bill Gates considered number one, what is really the essence of brand? Uh, How do you determine what it is you ought to focus on the most next? And then what is this universal truth of scaling wealth? Mm. That sounds really exciting. I'm glad I'm going to be there. And uh, those of you listening to us uh, on whatever airplane or hotel room or car you're in, uh, September 29 to October 3rd, Hotel Del Coronado, just log on to Leadership Collab. That's collab with two L's, leadershipcollab.com. And you'll find all the details, including Vern's bio, and uh, this podcast and a whole lot more. And I'd encourage you if you're out there wondering about, should I come by myself? Should I bring my spouse? Mm -hmm. Should I bring my team? We make it easy for you to bring your team. And so bring your team, maybe even bring two or three or four members of your team and block off a day after the conference is over and huddle together somewhere in San Diego, take a cruise, 
sit by the beach, sit in a conference room at the hotel and say, what are we going to do about what Vern and others just said? So, uh, yeah. Well, Vern, what would you say to somebody out there who says, um, well, I've heard all about growth, but I'm pretty happy where I am. Uh, any thoughts? I know that's a conundrum kind of question that it's okay to not grow, but if you'd say somebody says, uh, uh, growth, I don't know. What would you say to a person like that who's just kind of stagnant? Well, look, I, it, it's a law of nature. You either grow or die. And it's, it's not about the growth of the top line. Uh, it's our own uh, personal growth and that of our people. If we get really practical, uh, what happened over in January is McKinsey came out and said, look, game's over. Cheap labor uh, is not a competitive weapon anymore. It is smart talent. Hmm. And so if nothing else, we've got to grow the knowledge that we have uh, between our ears. And one of the stories we're going to share, uh, just to kind of wrap up here, John Ratliff's going to be with me, my partner. And uh, he was in the call center business that typically has 200% turnover. He only had 4% turnover of his senior team. And right now, the acquisition and retention of talent is the number one issue uh, everywhere on the planet. And he was able to take an industry, again, that averages 200% turnover and drive it down to 18%. Wow. And that was his internal 10X that made everything else that he did in that business get considerably easier. And we're going to share with you on an initiative because at the end of the day, uh, there's no way that your people can possibly care. And we think that love or care are the two, the four letter words that you think most matter in business. Uh, there's no way that they can care for your company and your customers if they don't see that you care for them. And so it's a very missional thing that, that John did. And we're super excited that hundreds of companies now around the globe are engaging in this very important initiative that really begins to create a bond. And to me, does precisely the thing that we've always known you've got to do in your life. And that KPI is measured very simply how many people have you helped along the way. And that has to start with your employees because we have this unique fiduciary responsibility beyond almost everyone else out there. And that is the people under our care. We need to take that seriously. And so we're going to get into that and it's going to be some ama amazing stories of even lives that uh, John was able to save as a result of this. That's great. And I think it's good to kind of bust the myth that a lot of um, people who are Christ followers have, which is, the only way I can help somebody is to share with them about the fact they need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Yes, they do. But guess what? When you love somebody, when you touch somebody, when you, when you teach somebody, when you make something beautiful together, when you do something great together, all that glorifies God. And maybe, just maybe, you'll get to speak into their lives if they know that you love them. So that'll be uh, really great to look forward to having you. So, uh, thanks for checking in with us, everybody, and listening to Vern Harnish, and we'll see you in San Diego at the Hotel Del Coronado, where you'll hear more from Vern Harnish. Great. Thank you.